2: Learn more at marines.com.
0: On this episode of Missing the Point, we preview the 2021 National Hockey League season. We'll discuss the biggest changes that have been implemented by the NHL to help reduce the spread of the coronavirus, including going from two conferences to four divisions. We'll discuss which teams benefit and which teams will struggle with the changes. We'll also focus in on the Boston Bruins season. The Bruins stormed through the regular season last year, but after the virus stoppage, they never seemed to regain their dominance, and were eliminated in the playoffs of the eventual Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. After the way Tuukka left the team last postseason, can Bruins fans still trust him to be their regular season goaltender? And what about Zidane Chara? The now former Bruins captain has moved on to the Washington Capitals after a 14-year stint on the bees. Will the Bruins' young and upcoming players be able to match the production of the former Stanley Cup champion? Today we'll look to answer those questions. But first, some housekeeping. Missing the Point is a one hour podcast recapping the biggest stories in the world of sports with a New England flavor. The show notes and transcript of today's episode can be found in the description box below, as well as on our website, www.mtpshow.com. If you're new to the show, please consider subscribing. It's the easiest way to see we publish new episodes. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate us and leave a review of any of our shows. We always appreciate your feedback. Also, be sure to follow us on all of our social medias. All of our links will be in the show notes. And check out our brand new website, www.mtpshow.com. That's mtpshow.com. And now, this is Missing the Point, episode 32. But it's all relative.
3: Hello and welcome into Missing the Point, the sports podcast where we talk about sports. My name is Joe Malkin. I am your host for this show. I am joined (laughs) today by Ray Sean Buchanan and Bob Kelly, along with our executive producer, Craig Delessandro. We will release a blooper reel at the end of the year. Uh, And today we're here to talk about hockey, because why not? The NHL season starts today, Thursday, the 13th of January. And the Boston Bruins play tonight, and it's very exciting. And we're going to talk a, a little bit about what the NHL season is going to look like, what the Bruins are going to look like coming into the 2020-2021 season, which is really just now the 21 season. And I'm going to ask the, the question later on, and we'll talk about it, but uh, you know, they call this a big market tease. Will the NHL season be affected like the NBA season is? So we'll get to that a little bit later on down the line. But first... I want to start by kind of going through what the NHL is going to look like this year, guys. The league reached a new CBA agreement on July 10th in the middle of all this stuff going on, right? So they had a a lockout in 05. They had a lockout in 2012-2013 season. And they've avoided a lockout this time around, although going into this season, maybe it was a good time for a lockout. But as Rayshon always says, it's a business number one. They want their money. They lost enough of it last year, so they need to recoup it. The NHL will play its season beginning on January 13th, ending on May 8th. The season will be 56 games long, which is down from 82. So where the NBA came from 84 to 72, the NHL Comes from 82 down to 56.
1: 82
3: to 72. Is it 82 to 72? You know how many times I've always gotten that mixed up, trying to figure out which league plays 82 and which league plays 84? The league this year will be split into four divisions rather than the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. They'll have the Central, the East, the North, and the West changed from the East and Western Conference. This is partly due to the Canadian government not allowing American teams into Canada and kind of just not wanting to have uh, that travel between the two countries. So, The seven Canadian teams will play in the North Division. This is also the first time since 1923 that there has been an all-Canadian division in the NHL, which is very interesting. So 98 years since that has has been a thing, which is pretty cool to see it kind of reverting. I'll ask this question in in just a minute when I get through this, but a question pertaining to that, so don't let me forget. Once they get to the playoffs after the 56-game season, the top four teams in each division, 16 total, which is... Typical will qualify for the playoffs. The first two rounds will be played under a pure divisional format. So the four teams of each division will play each other and then the playoffs will be reseeded once it's down to four teams. So the four teams will play until they're down to one. And then the four teams from each, each division guys, I got to ask you this question to start the show off and I'll go to Ray for this one, Ray, they're, they're going from an Eastern and Western division to more of an MLB NFL type format with the four divisions generally they have divisions within their conferences much like the NBA right do you think they stick with this kind of a format going forward even when they go back to an 82 now granted I don't think they'll stick with you just play games within your division because obviously that's due to COVID and and travel concerns but do you think this is a format the NHL could stick with from
2: here on out I mean I I think it's depending on the success right so Gary Bettman has to do a lot of things to make the NHL exciting. And, you know, like you alluded to a few moments ago about them having an All-North Division, I think that's pretty dope. I think that, you know, seeing all 17s teams beat up Against each other. So, you know, Toronto, Vancouver, you know, Winnipeg, I forget the rest of them, but those are the ones that come to mind. Edmonton. But yeah, I, I think that's pretty cool. I don't think it'll continue, like, unless it's successful. But I mean, you know, anything's worth the try. And they just have to throw a lot of things against the wall and just see if it sticks. So maybe it'll stick. But I personally, I, I don't think they'll continue doing it. But, you know, hopefully it's exciting hockey to watch. Bobby, don't
3: you think the Canadian hockey fans would eat that up? Like, think about that even as a Boston fan. Like, we'll talk about the division that the, the Celtics, the Bruins are in shortly, but they're in it with basically the Metro division. So, Pittsburgh. Buffalo, the Islanders, the the Rangers, the Devils, the the Capitals. Like, man, yeah, I know most of those teams are in in the Eastern Conference to begin with, but imagine now breaking it into divisions and, and the Canadian teams playing each other all the time. I think that's pretty exciting to me. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, I personally, looking at the way it's laying out, I would love it because, to me, the biggest thing with hockey is when you get familiarity, you get chippy, you get this hockey that's a different level. Because these guys actually, by the end of these games, literally don't like each other. They like they look at each other and want to fight immediately. I mean, granted, they don't actually they end up shaking hands at the end of the games and everything like that. But like when you have rivals going up against rivals constantly, like we're going to have this upcoming year, I think it's going to make for some great hockey. And I, I do think the NHL, I don't know if it'll be this extreme where, like you said, where you're only playing your division teams. But I think it's something that they will adapt to moving forward. They're definitely a, a type of league that will change its rules and will adjust to things as they go. Like they change the overtime rules completely, they change things. So, I mean, I wouldn't doubt seeing them make a kind of change like this moving forward.
3: Yeah. And so just to kind of give everybody an idea, in case you're living under a rock or you don't follow hockey much, but you found your way to our podcast, the four divisions will look like this. And the the central division will be Carolina, Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Detroit, Florida, Nashville and Tampa Bay, the East is boston buffalo new jersey new york islanders new york rangers philadelphia pittsburgh and washington the north division is the seven canadian teams calgary edmonton montreal ottawa toronto vancouver and winnipeg and the west anaheim arizona colorado los angeles minnesota san jose st louis and vegas i I think they're going to have to do a little bit of reworking with that because i think it's interesting that minnesota is in that west division but Chicago's in the central, but they they can figure that out later as they want to. I think it's a great conversation for them to have, you know, one, one of the things that, and I, I know Dave can attest to this. One of the things that's nice about most of the international, the international football leagues or soccer, as they, as, as we call it here in America is that if there's a 20 team league, each team plays each other twice, home and away, and you play 38 games. So I think you could find a, a format where, Bobby, like you said, you get these divisional games that are very important and you get these teams against each other four six times do two and two or three and three and then fill in with the rest of the, the, the teams in the league I, I think it's something that could work moving forward and i think you're, you're going to see a lot of the teams do a lot of these things i mean the nba ray was talking about doing that midseason tournament something again that we see in a lot of international basketball leagues and i think it's a great idea but you have to give players and teams more incentive which is why a lot of the times they need to involve the g league teams but now we're getting way off off topic but it's something that the nhl could look at as well so but the, what, what's interesting about this season too is instead of playing the the classic on new year's day they're going to play two outdoor games at the edgewood tahoe resort in State Line, nevada on lake tahoe on February 20th and 21st, and the Flyers and Bruins will play in one of those games in the Avalanche and Golden Knights. So it it will be the only game outside of the Eastern time zone that the Bruins will play in the 2021 season. It, it's pretty cool that they're getting that done anyway, guys.
1: Yeah, I love those outdoor hockey games, man. Some of my favorite hockey members are those outdoor winter classic games. I remember we played, I think it was the Flyers Back in the day at Fenway, I think it was like four or five years ago where it was just one of the best hockey games I've ever watched. I, think, I, I don't even remember who scored the game-winning goal. That's how long ago it was. Yeah, um, but
2: It was on New Year's Day, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I love those outdoor games. I feel like it was like snow and fans were like throwing snow into the air, stuff like that. So it, it made one of the few moments that felt really magical over the last few years. Cause we know it hasn't been magical lately, but I mean, I want to go back to, cause we talked about how cool it was going to be for the divisions. You know, I still want to see Montreal and Boston though. Like I feel like that's something where, you know, I mean, I, every Brewer fans I know, like I think, I think I, immediately, I think of Ryan, our boy, Ryan Haney, you know, our boy, Willow Larry. you know, you mentioned Montreal, and they become beat red, <laughs> you know. So it's just like, and I know that's, that's the case for a lot of other Bruins fans. So I still want to see that. So hopefully, if, even if they do this next year or going forward, like I hope that we're still able to see that rivalry because seeing that, seeing those guys play five, six times a year and maybe even in the playoffs, is awesome.
3: And that comes back to Gary Bettman and the league having to do their job to keep those things alive, especially through this time where, and we'll talk about it here in a second going back to the 2019-2020 season, but that was something that they failed to be able to do. They, They always seem to be the first ones to have their COVID plan in place to get back to playing, but it seems like once they did, they were actually one of the worst executed just above baseball, though, because the baseball was awful.
1: Yeah. So I was just going to say, I think I what, something I would like to see the NHL do, because, again, like I said, when you start playing these teams and that familiarity, that comes great chippy hockey is what basketball is doing right now, where they're playing the series. I think they are doing it this year where they're playing the same team back to back nights. And I think that's something that hockey should really look into because it would create. That that mini playoff series in the middle of the regular season where, like, you play that team one night, you lose. The next night, you better, especially the divisional opponent, you better not lose that game. So it creates like it creates another sense of urgency. It creates rivalries because like you're playing all these big games against these teams that you see all season. I love that format. So I think that would be something that would be awesome to see hockey adapt to.
3: That's college style. You know, that. that's what they do at the college level, which I, I think is great. You know, there is only 64 Division One hockey teams. Oddly enough, Arizona State has one. But you know, that's what they'll do. And I mean, I watched an entire series a couple of years ago where the University of Maine came down and played Northeastern in Matthews Arena, which is probably one of the best places to watch a hockey game in the country. So it, literally I'm going to throw it out there and say if you can get to Matthews Arena to watch a Northeastern Huskies hockey game uh, go and do it. Also, I think I just I, and and Craig can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I said at the, the top of the show that they were starting the NHL season on Thursday, January 13th. It's Wednesday, January 13th that they're starting the season. I'm off a day. So
1: skipping today. I just I. This is what happens. One.
3: When exactly? You
2: know, this whole week is just one day. That's yeah, really all matters.
1: It's that pandemic feeling, man. Yeah, it's that quarantine feeling. You know.
2: No, but if he was thinking about our team, you know, we start Thursday, so that that's why. That's right. That's what it is. Exactly. So yeah, I just
3: I, I think about the rivalries and what they're going to have to do with the schedules. It's going to take, we're going to see a lot of things change in sports overall. And I think hockey has a great opportunity to up their popularity and really put a, a face of the league. People like hockey. Hockey is a fun game to watch. Hockey is a fun game to be around and it's exciting. So Bobby, I'm going to throw a curveball at you here because we're going to talk about the league stories before we get into the Bruin stuff. Cause I want to talk about last season and then get into this season. So Let's go back to last season and talk a little bit about what happened, basically. So the the league got to 70 games. There was 12 games left, 13 for a couple teams, 11 for others. And then the, the season was called off the same day as the NBA suspended their season. At the time, the, these seasons were just suspended. We didn't know when they were going to come back. The NHL finally, on it was on May 26th, they said, that's it. We're done with the regular season. We're going to figure out what we're going to do. We're going to come back in July and we'll play out some exhibition style games. Then we're going to go into the playoffs and get cruising. So we can talk about the Bruins in this facet as we get there. But how do we think the NHL overall handled the end of their season into the bubble and the way the playoffs went?
1: I thought they did a pretty good job at it. I love the quality of play I saw in the bubble. I mean, they didn't have any anything that stood out doing there when they came back and everything like that. That just was something that you're like, "What are they doing?" They were the one that, like you said, they were the first ones to announce they were coming back. They had their plan first, um, and they came back first. And I think, I think that bubble quality hockey was really good. I really enjoyed it. I mean, you knew the Lightning were the best team coming into it, and they proved that going through. So yeah, no, I I enjoyed every minute of that hockey last year.
3: Ray, we know you're not the, the biggest
2: fan of the NBA bubble play, but what was your thoughts on the NHL? No, I mean I think you know for a sport that needed to get it right, they did. You know, so you know the powers that be so whether it's Gary Bedman who, you know, the rest of the owners, could they did they they played up in Vancouver, right? Was that where they played? Is that the bubble they played? They, yeah, they so. had
3: two different cities and yeah.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah. So I forgot what both cities were, but I know they played up there and, you know, so yeah, they did their thing for sure. And, you know, I've watched a few of the Bruins games. That's probably the most I have watched them all year because other games were on during the beginning of the year before the pandemic uh, came about. But, you know, I was excited to see what they were going to do coming into the playoffs, especially, you know, a team that, you know, had won the president's the president's cup. But, you know, like, like Bobby said, I think the quality was pretty decent. And, you know, like I said for a league that needed to get, it right because of the popularity on this side of the and in, in, in America, they did what they could and they did, they did the best they could and did a good job.
3: Yeah, and playing during that point of everything that happened in 2020 was not easy for any of the leagues, and that's why I think the NBA handled it the best. I think they had the best plan overall the nhl executed it very well and then baseball floundered and we i honestly initially initially yeah initially Initially, right initially they floundered once they got to the playoffs i think they figured it out a little more because they were able to to bring more team uh, the teams into a smaller place but it's easier in hockey and basketball when you're dealing with uh, 12 to 20 man rosters rather than you know,
1: 25 or 50 in the case of basketball. The biggest thing with baseball, what they did wrong and what hockey and basketball got right is the travel, which is what you're seeing now with basketball, you know, where you get these teams, which is why what hockey is trying to limit, which is why I think this is a better idea than what the NBA is doing, because that's where you get The most contact and like that most tracing, you know what I mean? It's like in the travel where you're going from city to city, like you have no idea who you're coming in contact with. You have no idea what you're touching. So like when you get these teams traveling city to city, that's where I think you see these COVID positive cases coming from. Hockey, I think, is doing it right right now, where they have a limited to 12 teams. If if there's a breakout, they can suspend one division, keep the other divisions going. You know what I mean? There's ways that they can keep their season moving where I think that they're doing a good job.
3: Yeah, I agree. And and Gary Bettman is proving to be one of the more competent. I thought he was kind of a, a punk for a while, but I, I think he's doing a good job at this point in time, um, along with Adam Silver. And I think that's one thing that the NHL has done well is that they've kind of mirrored a lot of the things the NBA have done, and they've done them a little bit better overall. Again, the NBA did a great job in the bubble. But anyway, all right. Enough about the COVID stuff and everything else. So actually, I can't say that because we look into this season and Bobby, that what you just said, talking about suspending divisions or not letting teams play the San Jose Sharks are already delayed until January uh, until February 1st due to Santa Clara County in California indefinitely banning all contact sports in in response to local COVID-19 cases spiking. And the Dallas Stars have had their first four games on January 13th, 14th, 17th, and 19th postponed due to six players and two staff members testing positive for COVID on January 8th. So we've already seen some things move, but they've already been proactive in saying, we're going to we're gonna shut this down until everybody's back. Well,
2: that, that's – no, yeah, because I know the reason why I have such a crazy look on my face because, you know, I, I know that's what happened with the 49ers, right? The 49ers couldn't play for a while, and then, you know, they, they ended up going to Arizona. And, you know, like I said, don't know too much about hockey, but I know there's a team called the Phoenix Coyotes. So <laughs> I was wondering, like, maybe – you know they could play over there and and Phoenix for a while if that was the case as opposed to waiting until February first because that's a long ass time to play. I'm like, look, I've i i, I I've been waiting to play. Y'all gonna let me get on this ice? Like, well, you got to imagine they're skating somewhere, right? Right, but it's just like this is not Rockefeller Place. Like, I, I want <laughs> I want I want to skate. I want to play games if I'm them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to play. That, that's just me. I want to play. So. <laughs>
3: If I'm San Jose, I call up the city of Seattle and say, "Hey, you guys have been, you guys are getting a hockey team next year. Why don't you let us come up and give Seattle a little taste of what they're going to get next year?"
2: For for real, exactly. Couldn't couldn't agree more. You know, because I, you know, to make teams wait just because. You know, you got some mandate that people can't come in there. and We get it. Listen, if anyone's thinking, oh, he's not looking to be safe. No, I am looking to be safe. I'm just looking at there should be other options. Like I said, they let San Francisco go to Arizona and play for their last few home games there. Why not let the the Sharks come in there for a few weeks in Phoenix or like Joe said, go to Seattle and and just play a few weeks. I'm not trying to wait another three weeks to start my season just because of some mandate that's in order. That's just me. That's just my take on it.
3: And that is the only county in California that has that mandate.
1: So, to, they're not playing their first home game until February first.
2: Oh, okay. So they are playing. So
1: they, yeah, yeah, they're not. So they're being on the they're they're being on the road for three and a half weeks, right?
2: Which is which is still that's a long ass time. That's right. still that's rough the, that's... to
1: be on the road the entire time.
3: Which is weird. It was weird the way that this article worded it. So I'm I'm glad we we got that. Yeah, but I mean that that makes much more sense, right? But so this was another thing that the NHL announced in the midst of all of this. Perfect timing.
1: And They still don't even know if they're going to be able to come back. Who's that? The the Sharks.
3: Oh yeah, they won't be able to. Santa Clara County is kind of is kind of on lockdown, and honestly, I'm not one to sit here and judge that. So, but hockey wise the nhl did something else in the midst of all of this and over the summer they announced their newest franchise their 32nd franchise the first one since 2017 when the the vegas golden knights uh, came in and it feels like the golden knights have just been a mainstay vegas is very quickly just becoming a a sports town which it it never was prior to the i think the last time it was considered a sports town was when vince mcmahon brought the xfl there back in 2001
1: the outlaws
3: the outlaws which is such a good name for a vegas team right so but the vegas gold Nights in 2017 and now the Seattle Kraken are coming in, in in the in 21-22 so next season which is great for the city of Seattle it's great for for the National Hockey League the, the, but again Ray like you said they have to make sure that the level of play is high and that they get eyes on the TV but I think they will Seattle is a great sports town we know that they're the Seahawks are beloved up there they love the Supersonics which we can get to that on another show. It's coming. <laughs> but yeah, so they announced the Seattle Kraken. I mean, I thought the logo was sharp. I love it. I, I love thought it. all of it was sharp. I thought the way that the entire league got behind the announcement, it was, honestly, it was social media that was navigated perfectly. But yeah, go ahead, Bobby. What are your thoughts on the, brand, the newest franchise coming in in 21
1: 22? The reason that this is going to work is just the way that the NHL expansion draft works. It's It's made to... I'm pretty sure teams can only protect, like, I think it's only like five to ten guys or something like that. Like, it's a very, it's not a limited crowd that the teams are picking from. What's the success of the Golden Knights just really made this such an easy sell for the NHL. You know what I mean? Like, the Golden Knights came in and were in the Stanley Cup Finals literally in their first year. So, that's why I, I don't see it watering down the quality of play. I think it's funny to me that the only team that, league that we see expanding in American sports right now is the NHL. That's two in the last four years when I would put them probably... Them in baseball is like three and four. So I think that's kind of funny. Uh, Big thing to look out for them is Ron Francis is their GM. And Ron Francis is a solid GM. He was the he made up that entire hurricanes run from back in like 2019 2018 2017 he made up that entire run so he's a good coach and gm so i would look out for them when they start they're going to they're going to be good quick i think
2: yeah and i mean you know like you know like we already alluded to like seattle as a sports town is awesome and you know if fans are able to come back for that 21 22 season that arena is going to be rocking. Cause listen, when Seattle teams are going, like I remember Ken Griffey Jr.'s teams back in the day in the Mariners when you know that play when they when when they beat the you know the Yankees in 95, that play in that crowd, I mean, it was literally shaking at the Kingdom. So a field doesn't get like that. But I feel like if they were the Mariners were good now, they would be rocking too. So that that's they're, they're dying for more good sports up there, right? So, you know, like I said, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, like it doesn't matter. So it, it's good to see that they're expanding. You know, ho- hopefully they're able to get more up there. And the Pacific Northwest is awesome. So... You know, who knows? Maybe we should take it up. We should all take a trip up there at, at some point to go see a game up there. You know, when, when things settle down. But yeah, I think they're going to be great. And I, I didn't know that, Bobby. So I just learned something about you know because it's, it's kind of different in the NBA. Like you can kind of take players that were a part of like key championship players, but that happened when the Timberwolves became a franchise a long time ago. Like they took players from Detroit who had just won the championship that year, so that was crazy. So like, could you imagine if you can just like, oh, hey, we're going to take Stamkos, <laughs> we're going to take, you know, can't think, yeah, you know what We're going to take. Carry Price. We're going to take. We're going to take posture. Like you imagine, they could just take those guys like that. So that would be wild.
1: That's <laughs> the thing. Is like I know I saw somewhere like the expansion drafts. We're looking at like tuka rass possibly ending up there, or who else is our backup? Who's the other guy? Halak ending up there. Th- those are the type of quality players that you're going to end up seeing in-, in that draft pool. Is along those lines.
2: Or may, maybe they try to get Lundqvist out of retirement. I know he just left the Rangers um, after forever, but maybe they say to him, "Hey, you know, can you give us a year or two? You know, you're one of the best goaltenders this league has seen in a long time. You know, why, why, why not? You know, you know. I, I think that'd be a good look. So if they want Tuca, they can have him, and
3: that's a good segue <laughs> into our next part of this NHL conversation. Because guys, we have we've now. Uh, gone through the a lot of the league and how it's going to work this year so hopefully everybody's with us still but let's get into the meat of this and let's talk about the boston bruins and what's going on what went on and what's going on with this franchise because everybody has their opinions on this i think personally this team is somewhat in shambles or getting to that point that's just my opinion. Let's see what the guys have to say. The Bruins will be playing in the Eastern Division, and they won't travel any further west than Pittsburgh, any further south than Washington, except for the one game against Philadelphia in La- at Lake Tahoe, and that'll be for their entire 56-game season. So as we mentioned earlier, if it wasn't clear enough, they literally are just going to play the teams in their divisions for those 56 games. Bruce Cassidy, who was named coach of the year last year, he led the Bruins to the President's Trophy in the shortened season and won coach of the year. He's back for his fourth full season. He took over for Claude Julien five years ago. He's won 61, 66, and 34 in 261 games, as the Bruins head coach, 27 and 28 in the postseason, which is concerning. The Bruins won the President's Trophy last year, as I mentioned, before going to the bubble format. Guys, let's talk last season with the Bruins first before we get into this year. The Bruins finished 44-14 and 12 last year. They were so impressive. They were so impressive. If if none of this happens, I think we see them run right into the Stanley Cup finals, maybe get past Tampa in the Eastern Conference finals, who, who knows. But, you know, Tampa was right, was right behind them at, you know, four games behind it or eight points behind, I should say excuse me, eight points behind the Bruins at the end of the season. And, you know, when they called the season officially in May and we saw this Bruins team and then we heard, we, everybody was a little down in the dumps. The season's on hold. What's going to happen? What's going to happen when these guys get back? When are we going to start back up? They call the season on May 26th. We get the president's trophy. They announced the bubble. They start getting back into Warrior Arena and skating, getting ready to go to the bubble, and they just look flat. They just look out of shape. They're not skating hard. They're not skating. Bobby, what what were your thoughts on the Bruins coming into the bubble? Because they didn't even play well in those first exhibition games.
1: Yeah, I think so. I agree with you that if they didn't, Cancel the season or they didn't stop the season, it would have been a completely different story. This team was ready last year at the beginning of the year. They lost that cup to the Blues the year before, and and, and they were ready to go at the start of last year. They, they had Stanley Cup aspirations, and they were real aspirations, and they showed it regular season all year. Tuca was out of his mind all regular season. He was amazing. Mackway was playing great. Pasta was finally the elite goal scorer that we wanted him to be. We still have Marshawn. We still have Bergeron. We still have Chara. We still had all these guys. So it was there for the taking, man. And I really think if that keeps going, you're right. We do. I don't know. Tampa was tough. Tampa was tough last year. But I do think that we'd make that run. And we do take that next step if it seen not it canceled. As soon as it got canceled, you knew. You, you just knew. This is the type of Bruins team we've seen for years. We said at the end of the year last year. They don't react well to certain things. And I feel like that was something that really just took the wind out of their sails. Like you could hear the interviews that they were having. I remember hearing Marshawn talk about how pissed he was. I remember hearing about Tuca talk about how pissed he was and we'll get to that. I remember hearing about someone else said how mad they were that they were number one. I forgot. It might have been crazy. But you just knew that they weren't going to have that same fire. And that first game, as soon as they came out, you you saw it. They were flat, exactly like you said. Like, they looked like they had anvils on their skates for half of their games. The games they played great, they looked like that old Bruins team again. But that was too far between. So.
2: Right. And that's the problem, right? So, you know, they were looking for, you know, Bruce Cassidy to come in and do what, you know, Claude Julian couldn't do, right? But, you know, like I said, they, you know, they lose to the Blues, like you said, the year before. They come back, they're on fire opening night, you beat Dallas, you know, who ended up making the finals last year against Tampa Bay. You know, so they, like I said, they started off on fire, right? But then there was a couple of games in January, right, where you're like, man, like, okay, you know, we got Tampa Bay, we got some other teams we got to face. And they beat Tampa Bay, I think, twice in that month, if I'm not mistaken. And it was like, wow, like, okay, like, okay, they're, they're, they're ready to go. And then obviously, you know, we found out, because we talked about it on the previous show, you know, coach was out, you know, for – you know, most of that playoff. I think not the whole playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. So it was like, OK, you beat them in a regular season already. You have an equally talented team, if not more talent. And you still don't get it done. Like that to me was infuriating. But like you said, they seemed over it from the jump. Obviously, we know Tuca was over it. And like I said, we'll get into it, as we said. But it was amazing to see a team that was so together, so on top of things, so together. You know, kind of like another team that played in the bubble. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> it just went to shit. And it's unbelievable to me that, you know, a team that with that much talent, knowing that, you know, because my thing is, how do you lose that fire when you had just lost the Stanley Cup? At home, game seven, at the crib, you lose 4-1. to one, <laughs> But then you come back, you don't have that fire. And I granted, we know 2020 took a hit on everybody. I'm not, we're not disputing that. We're not arguing that. But that fire's got to be there to say, you know what? We're the best team. We were the best team last year, but we just didn't, we didn't you know, we didn't get it done. We're going to do it now, but they didn't.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, such impressed numbers here, as you guys talked about prior to them uh, going into the playoffs, Pasternak with 95 points, 48 goals, 47 assists. I mean, Bobby, that's what you, every team needs a guy like that. Right. I mean, I mean, those literally are Alex Ovechkin numbers and that that was how the regular season went. And everybody thought, I mean, they were literally on pace to have like 110 points at the end of the regular season, which is incredible because they had a hundred and, yeah, they had 103, I think, it was it the year before when they also won the President's Trophy? So Brad Marchand, 59 assists to go with 28 goals. Patrice Bergeron, 31 and 25 goals to assist. I mean, these guys, Tory Krug, we'll get to Torrey Krug too, nine goals but 40 assists. So kind of that two-way defenseman. But, you know, Bobby and I were talking about it before we got on here. You're expecting more goal production from him. So there was definitely holes in that team, even though they were so good. But you also expected them to have that, leadership right with charo with bergeron you know you had david backus who who ended up uh, leaving at the the trade deadline in january but you have rask who's been there since 2011 has a stanley cup ring you know and and then they go in and they're flat they played 13 games in the playoffs and and lost to tampa who eventually won the stanley cup but you know, if you're going to lose to somebody, you might as well lose to the champion, which we found out later would be the case. So let's talk about deeper into that bubble and and a couple of storylines. And I think the biggest one that we've all talked about already is when Tuka Rass decided to leave the team on August 15th. A lot of the speculation on that was, you know, there, there, there's the straight up look at it and just say, hey, all right, he's leaving to go home to Finland to be with his team, his family, his team, family's a team, right? He's going home to be with his family. He didn't want to be there anymore. And then the eye test says his heart wasn't in it. He knew they were going down. He wanted to leave. And that's going to translate into this season. But I know we've harped a lot on the past – season with these guys, but what were our overall thoughts? Bobby, what was your thoughts on Rask leaving in the middle of the bubble?
1: So I just think that was definitely the biggest impact on them throughout that bubble. You saw it in that Tampa series. They needed him. Hawak is great, but Tuka is literally one of the top five goaltenders in the league. As much as we hate on his personality, how weird he is, how I don't want to call him weird, how eccentric of a person he is. He's a great goalie, and we needed him against Tampa. So that was one of the biggest things because we saw when we saw Vladar come in that he gave up like nine goals in three minutes. So obviously, like, we needed that talent, that goalie. So I, I really do think seeing your goalie back out on you like that in the middle of a playoff run just affected them. You know what I mean? How could it not? You know, how could it not when one of your leaders or one of your top players just is gone? You know, one day he's there, you're relying on him to be your goalie, to, to, to be your backbone, and next day he's like, alright guys, I gotta go. Granted, whatever reason, he's still here, so I can't hate on him too much, but you know, it, it is what it is, man. He he left, and it really affected that team.
2: Yeah, but nah, man, like, where, where's the fight? Like, where, where's the fight to say, you know what, whether he's here or not, we're we gonna get this shit done. Like, and, and I get it, you're right. It started yes. that way. Right, it started that way, but Right, it it did start that way, but it was just like, you know, but come on, we knew that Halak wasn't going to be where where Ras was. We knew that. And it's like the fact that, and granted, because we know we're delusional when it comes to Boston teams, so we're like, man, like you know, you know, going to do great? No, but it's okay. He played a game or two great, all right. But this wasn't going to be what Tim Thomas was in twenty eleven. Was it going to be that? And, and we still hold goalies in this town to that standard well, at least this generation, anyways. You know, we hold it to that standard because, like, man, like you know, you know, he st- he stood on his head all playoffs. Holak wasn't going to do that. If anything, he was wide open <laughs> like a seven eleven all playoffs for the most part. So I just, to me, it was sad, but to me, you have to have that fight to say, you know what, whether this man's around or not, we're going to get the job done. So, but maybe that means that they all just wasn't in it to begin with. And that just gave them an excuse to say, you know, what, we're out. That's what it seems like. uh, 7-Eleven, not
3: a sponsor. No, absolutely. Right. You know, you're absolutely right. Because they played that first game after Tuka left and it was like, there was a, a fire lit under their ass and then it went out quickly. And I, and you wondered where the leadership was because that was part of the narrative. Where's Chara? Why is, why are we not picking up this locker room? Why are they not picking these guys up and, and pushing them forward to where they need to be to get past this team, this Tampa Bay team. But so he leaves and, you know, like Bobby said, he's still here. And we're going to get into that now because we've mentioned a million times that they lost to Tampa Bay. Everybody knows that's listening to this podcast. The Bruins lost to Tampa Bay. Tuka's tu- still here. So clearly there wasn't as much of a rift between him and management as maybe there was. So
1: we overreacted?
2: No.
3: Boston way. fans no overreacting? Way.
2: No. So, uh, you know what? It went overreaction? They just don't have anyone better to replace him, period. Sure, sure. They but him to I mean, replace him, it'll be all right.
3: you know, if you if we correct the world, right, and go back to March 12th, you correct that you, you Thanos snap your fingers. We go back to March 12th and everything is back to normal. There's no pandemic. We play out the rest of the 82 game season and go into the playoffs. Tuka never leaves.
1: And, and it's not even a question. And it's not even like a, a semblance of, of a thought.
3: So going into that point, right, like keeping everything close to your chest in this day and age with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everybody feels like you need to know everything about everyone all the time. And if you don't, it means a certain person is or isn't doing this in their life and vice versa. Got to give Tuca the benefit of the doubt because at the end of the day, it probably didn't matter. He left, He to, to us anyway, as fans. He left his job to go be with his family for whatever reason, and we have to leave it there. Got to go with it on face value. So let's get into this season because this season has a, a lot of shakeup for the Boston Bruins, a lot with locker room presence, and maybe some on-the-ice presence. It's. I think the Tuca jury is going to be out for a while because I think we can all agree while he was great in the regular season last year, he isn't necessarily the guy he was a few years ago, and he's always been kind of streaky in the playoffs. But Captain Zedeno Chara, whose name I completely spelled wrong in the rundown, Zidaneo, apparently he's related to Arsenio, but ooh, Captain Dano O'Chara leaves signs with least. the Washington Capitals. <laughs> exactly, right? Love it. Coming to America, great movie. And his late night show back in the day was underrated. Dano Chara signs with the Washington Capitals, also in the Eastern Division after 14 years with the Bruins. He was their captain since he walked into the locker room 14 years ago. Guys, what does this loss mean for the Bruins? For the, the, the Bruins on the ice and in the locker room. Let, let's start there, Bobby.
1: So I, I don't want, I don't want to be, this a day. I just, I, I love Zidane O'Chara. All right. I will start out with that, that he holds a special place in my heart. His banner, his number will be in the rafters. I almost called it the fleet center for a second, but at TD at, at TD garden, but I don't blame the Bruins, man. I really don't. I've been thinking that it was time for Zedano to go for a long time. The way it happened kind of disappointed me. We talked about that, that the Bruins just always have a way of, of just doing things in the way that you're like, man, did you need to do it like that? I don't know if you did, but it was time for him to go. He's been skating around like he has anvils on his skates since... He had a little bit of resurgence the past few years. But last year in the playoffs, you could tell that he's just slow, man. He's just not the same player he was. And if the Bruins actually do have faith in this young core on defense, which it seems they do, they're bringing up a lot of guys this upcoming season. And we'll get to that. But it was time for him to go. There there was no better time than the present. Granted, yes, he could have came back on like a bargain salary. been like this defensive presence that plays 10 minutes a game. But that's not what he wanted to do. So he's gone. And now we got these young guys on defense. We're going to have to deal with it. And I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I really don't.
2: So 895,000 is the number that's going to live. 795. Oh, 795. Sorry. I'm sorry. I was giving him even more. 795 is a number that's going to live in infamy amongst Bruins fans. And it's going to live with me too. I, I think that, you know, we you think about Ortiz, Brady, you know, Pierce, you know, do you think about Char? Right, those are four guys that had been staples in the city for a long time, and my loyalty sometimes messes with me, which is why I was pissed off about the Brady thing. I, I wasn't happy about this zeno, zeno Chara or is it Daniel Chara? <laughs> yeah. uh, I wasn't happy about that because my thing is when a guy has. Giving you this much, like I said, no one's gonna remember him as a New York Islander or whatever team he was before. He played for fourteen years. He's a Boston Bruin. When if, if he be, if he becomes a Hall of Famer, he's going in as a black and gold. It's not going in as the as a navy blue, orange or white. He's going in as a Bruin. So he's been awesome here. And I mean, my thing is, I mean, unless you think it, it's gonna be McAvoy or Coyle or whoever's gonna be, there's gonna be that guy defensively. But you know all the defenders now are six, five or under. There's no imposing presence back there. Yes. They got younger. So I mean, you know, and I talked about that with Joe off the air about how they need to get younger on, on the ice to get more speed. But I just think that because he's been there and he's been there so long, I, I don't think that you, I, I don't, I don't think they came to him and said, Hey, you know what we want? We, we don't mind giving this number. Cause this is nothing. This is peanuts. But you know, instead of you playing 32 minutes on the ice, now you'll play 21 minutes on the ice, but still a mentor these guys. I think if they said that to him, then he would have. I mean, granted, I could be wrong. I, I don't, Maybe he, he still wants to play 32 minutes tonight, which is crazy at 43. But once again, we don't say that about another 43-year-old that left here. So I get it, but it's different when you're skating around. Either way, I feel like Boston should have kept him, but I, I understand the business side of it. But I do wish he was still here.
1: No, you're fine. So they did offer him... They they all wanted him to come back as a reserve player. That was the thing. Is they wanted him to come back. He wouldn't be in the starting lineup. He wouldn't be on that top tier defense. They were gonna move up as the Boral into that line no matter what. So 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 he was coming up into that line no matter what. They told Charo that and they're like, listen, man, you're not gonna be the guy. You'll you'll be here, you'll still be our captain, you'll still be, you know, Zidano. Yeah, but you're not gonna be that starting player anymore and he thought he could be Washington thinks he can be so you know I think I think it was just like alright see you later but at the same time if I'm the Bruins I'm with you Ray you know I am with you that like I, I would have brought him back and I would have done something to bring him back and then if he's not happy midway you're like listen man you're the captain.
2: S- suck it up, you know? Right. Yeah, it, it, exactly. Correct. Yeah, I, I would have lied my ass off. Like, hey, yeah, come on back, big fella. Six, nine, number 33. Yes, sir. Your number's going up in the rafters next to Esposito, Bobby Orr, Chara. Like, I, 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 would, I would have sold the dream. And then when we got into the season, hey, you know what? You know, we feel like these guys are doing X, Y, they're and Z. stepping this, up. All that. Right there, right. yeah.
1: That's the GM in you, bro. You do that to the
3: hang on. You do that to the forty-three-year-old veteran that's been there for fourteen years. He's not going to buy that. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. You do that to the twenty. You do that to the twenty-five-year-old. Can I dream? No, yeah, we can all dream. But that's where that's where I, I have to go on my rant here. If we do that in sports all the time, right? We do that in this city. I'm guilty of it. You know, when Brady signed with Tampa, when Zedano signed with Washington, you see, you see these guys do this. And we get upset, right? We get angry at the team. And I I don't know if this is, I don't think it's exclusive to Boston, but I feel like we put our city and our teams on such a pedestal that we cannot get over the fact that these guys, they have no loyalty and they don't owe us anything. And that's one of the biggest things because, Ray, as much as you say it's a business, it is a business, right? So if you're GM Ray Buchanan of the Boston Bruins, I don't care what team you're the GM of, but that's a business to you, right? Like, your job is to bring in the best players to put the most amount of asses in seats, sell tickets, sell hot dogs, sell beer. Like, you're you're generally managing that team to bring those players in. Those players are employees. They're, they're really no different. Than every single one of us walking into our jobs on a daily basis and sitting down at our desks and doing our job, and eventually we're going to leave those positions.
1: They make a little more than us,
3: but just a little. Their their AAV is a little bit higher than ours, <laughs> but the but at the end of the day, nobody there's not people walking into my office or going on Twitter saying, ah, "I can't believe that they let him go. I can't believe they let him walk. They let him go to this." And Bobby, you said it, he wanted to still play. He wanted more, so he went. Tom Brady still wanted to play. He wanted more, so he left. But the point is, we talk about business, we talk about loyalty, and that's what everybody wants is is loyalty. But they don't look at it from a human standpoint because when you go – to the arena, or you go to the baseball stadium, you go to the football stadium and you watch these guys play, whether they're in college or they're at the the highest level of their game, no matter what the sport is, you go and watch them and you think they're going to be there forever. And then somebody leaves and it has to be somebody's fault. And it just, it blows me away in sports when a guy like Chara and I'll keep it NHL based for this show. When a guy like Chara up and leaves after 14 years with a team and a C on his chest and everybody jumps down the throat of Don Sweeney and Jeremy Jacobs and Bruce Cassidy and they just jump down their throats. And why couldn't you give him this money? Why couldn't you give him this? Why couldn't you give him that? Because Ray, what do you always say? Say it for me. Go ahead.
2: It, it's, it's
3: a business you can't pay a guy eight hundred thousand dollars to skate around on one leg for 20 minutes a game and expect to get to where you want to be they scored, they got a hundred points out of that season last year in a shortened season with Zdeno Chara playing his normal 20 minutes and he looked okay doing it but who's to say this is the other problem with sports and social media and all this other crap and fans being so immersed in all of this stuff, us included, myself included. I watch Juju's TikToks. I think they're frigging hilarious. I think he's an idiot sometimes, a great football player. He's an intelligent person. I think what he did two weeks ago was stupid. But besides the point, you look at Zdeno Chara and the conversations that he had with the Bruins. We don't know what the hell they said to each other because they're never going to come out and tell us, and they don't have to. They're not obligated to do so. Their only obligation is to put a good product on the ice for us to pay our money, our hard-earned money, to go and watch. That—that's all they have to do. And Zdeno has—he's not from Boston. With a name like Zdeno Chara, he's just—he's not from here. Right. So so what? Are, so what is this loyalty? Sorry, way off on a rant, but it, it needs to be said and, and fans need to understand it. they don't owe us anything.
2: Right. No, that's 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 cool. I, I got you. Listen, listen, <laughs> listen, he's been here for a long time. Yeah, I, I get it. He's been here for a long time. man. that's that's why obviously the attachments that we, we get that part, obviously. So my response to that is Charlie McAvoy better be the damn answer. Sure. He better, he better be the answer. Cause if, you, if you're letting that guy go, you know, because you didn't want to pay him for 20 minutes, once again, sell the dream. I, I get it. he's been so, like you said, he's not from here. Fine. Sell the dream. Tell him he's still going to be X, Y, and Z. And then, you know, let the season play out. But Charlie, Charlie McAvoy better be the answer.
3: So to Bobby's point before, when he said, you know, they wanted to cut so the, the report is Bobby, the same thing you heard is what I heard is that they were offering him 800,000 mm-hmm. for like 17 minutes a game, which is three or four less
1: Washington,
3: right? Which is three or four less shifts a game. So obviously let's watch Zedano's the numbers with Washington this year, because he's going to be up around 20 minutes, which is three extra shifts a game, which probably tells me he's at least on their second D pairing, if not their first. So, you're going to see over the season what happens on both sides. And Ray, you're absolutely right. This is the part where it falls on the GM and the coach and ownership, the front office to say, what are we going to do now that this guy's gone and how are we going to do it? And that's the part the fans can look at and say, fine, you let them walk out the door. You got to get rid of your emotional attachment for a second. Fine. You let them walk out the door. What are you going to do now? What's the plan?
1: Well, that's the, that's the thing though, is like the same people, and you know, I probably as I bitched about it when it first happened. But the same people who are saying that Dano shouldn't have left are the same hockey fans who are going to be sitting here twenty games in the season if we beside them saying, "Dude, this guy's so old, he's so slow." It's you know what I mean. It's the same thing where it's like it's nostalgia at that point. That's all it is. That's that's really what it is. It's all nostalgia, and I just think that like anything you're gonna get. From Zidano, you're still gonna get from these young guys and at least you're gonna give them a shot in a shortened season, in a weird season, to to show that they're what we have invested in. Them. So
2: so who who's that guy then, Bobby? So so the one the one that I
1: look to step up is Jacob Zaborl. He's been up and down. He got a a one-way contract for the first time in his career this year. So I think he played great in Providence last year. He's the guy that he's going to take that next step up. I'm pretty sure he's going to end up on the first defensive pair with McAvoy. So those are the two guys to watch out for sure.
3: So let's get there. So all of that said, and and I went on my rant, we love we love Dana Chara. 14 years here with that C on his chest. Gave us so many exciting moments, whether it was his 108 mile an hour slapshot fights, being the enforcer while also being the captain.
1: Those are my favorite moments, actually. Not, not oh, that, yeah. The, where, where you'd see someone start to go to fight Chara, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. Let's go, buddy. Because
3: that's what he was doing, too. You can't take down the tower, you know? <laughs> yeah, all right, let's go. So now with Chara having gone to Washington, Uh, for another season in the NHL. The uh, Bruins have named Patrice Bergeron the new captain of the Boston Bruins. He served as the alternate captain since 2006 until 2020. And he was, he's been on the team since 2003. He's the 20th captain in Boston Bruins franchise history. I don't, I mean, I think I can just speak for all of us and say this, there was no other option. And I, I don't know if you guys saw the video, but it was kind of a dumb video, but it was kind of funny is that they came up and that they announced Marshon as captain and then, and Marshy came up and, and then said, it's bergeron like they knew it was coming it was literally all for the cameras. so it's fine it was funny it's good because who i who is even wearing the alternate
1: a it's crechey and marshy i'm pretty sure it, yeah which which makes
3: i knew crechey was but that makes perfect sense she's
1: like, always had the a but i'm pretty sure Mar- right exactly right marshawn's yeah. got it now too
3: which which he should i mean i think that's the right move so Let's talk a little bit. We talked about their losses. They lose Chara to Washington, Tory Krug to St. Louis, and I guess if you want to mention them, Joaquin Nordstrom to Calgary. They re-signed Anders Bjork, Jake DeBrusk, Matt Grizzlick, Dan Vladar, who will serve as the third goalkeeper, Carson Coleman, Zach Senecien, Kevin Miller, Jake Zaboral. You know, we really didn't bring up the Miller contract because a lot of people were bringing that up with with Chara, saying, really, you're going to pay this guy this amount of money. I like Miller. I, I, I do, too. I think he's serviceable and, you know, everybody cried wolf when, but, you know, then there's the uh, the other thing where everybody says, oh, you know, with no fans in the stadium and everything else, they don't want to spend that 800 on Char. but I don't want to harp on that. Let's stay on the hockey side of things. Patrice Bergeron, captain, no doubt here. So Bobby, you mentioned what the lines are going to look like. And I want to talk about the big signing for the Bruins this year. And there's only one key addition, which I I feel like the Bruins haven't done enough, but there's only one key addition. And that's Craig Smith. And he's a winger and he spent the last, oh goodness, he was in Nashville since 2011. Yep. So, you know, he's played pretty much every single game. So he's kind of a grinder. He's kind of an iron man for Nashville. He played very well there.
1: Sweeney loves those guys. He loves those guys, man.
3: He, he's played 661 NHL games. He's got 162 goals and 168 assists. Really good numbers. Last year, he had 18 and 13 in 69 games. His career highs for a season, he had 25 goals in the 2017-18 season. He had 28 assists in the 13-14 season. So great addition. And right now, as you mentioned the lines he is projected to be the right wing on the third line with Kasha and stanika as his I'm sorry they're, they're the other right wingers with Charlie coyle and uh, Nick Ritchie and then Grizzlick and Carlo would be the, the the second line defenseman um behind them on that third line for the forward so what do we, let's get, let's just get right into the lines. Cause Bobby, you brought it up. Ray and I were talking about this before we got on and Ray, your thoughts on the first line, Marshawn Bergeron, Studnika. And you know, then Jeremy Luzon and Charlie McAvoy are your first D pairing. What are your thoughts?
2: I mean, I mean, I said it to you off the air. I think the Bruins have the best first line in all of hockey. You know, when you can put Marshawn, I forgot who else I wrote on there, but Marshawn. Birds uh, are on. Like, yeah. at the beginning
1: of the season right
2: that's why well he was he was skating today so it seemed like he's gonna be back pretty soon okay i saw that on uh with tranny actually so hey tranny how are you but uh, you know you didn't meet me yet but uh, <laughs> i'm, I'm like, to- to- totally <laughs> blushing here sorry <laughs> that wasn't weird that wasn't weird at it, all it wasn't weird that at was all, right? Weird at all uh,
3: see this is what would have happened <laughs> if i said hello to hillary that day at the park <laughs>
2: but, yeah so to- totally send a black man blush All right,
3: Craig, if you could contact the lawyer that would be great
2: I know. I'm so sorry, but no. I, I said I think we have, we have. No, I think we have the best. Seriously, we have, we have the best first line in all of hockey, in my opinion. And then, like I said, you know, I think about Richie. I think about Krejci. I feel like those are guys that can be something on the second line. So you know, the first two lines really weren't the problem. Less it was getting help for the third line. So hopefully, the third line can step up. So like you said we just signed that guy, Craig Smith, and I'm just really. It's really unfortunate that it wasn't a guy from Boston College, right, Bobby? You know, Boston College, Craig Smith. You know, you're great reference. Yeah, I remember Craig Smith. Yeah, man. but no, no, no rabbit hole. Joe Joe's Al Skinner days, bro. Right, exactly. Right. I just think, like I said, the first two lines aren't the problem. I just think that we have to get production from that third line. One of those first two lines, maybe are getting playing against a better defensive team or a team that can skate better than them and you know really fly around the fly around the ice. So, but like I said I'm confident in the first two. I just hope the third line is able to produce and hopefully Smith is able to help that a lot. So, so, and that was what's going to
3: happen with when Pasta comes back, right? Is that you're going to see the right wingers kind of shuffle around? So, this this is all projections by NBC Sports.
1: That's what I was looking at too. It's throwing me all off. It is. Where's Pasta But
2: I know, I know. Yeah, he's coming though. He's coming. He he was already he was on the upstairs. So he's coming. So right now, Stanika is projected
3: as the first line right winger and then Kasha and then Smith uh, and then Wagner on the fourth line. So then when you get pasta back, somebody's going to have to move probably Wagner. But then I think that almost makes those lines solid, right? If they do it the way they do it in hockey generally and they push everybody down. Now you have Kasha on the third line and Smith on the fourth line. I mean, you're going to look at you're you're going to be looking at pretty good production if you have a guy on the fourth line at right wing that's scoring 18 and, thir- and, and 18 goals and assisting on 13 others. I mean, that's not a bad place to be in. So then Tuka Rask is still our starting goalkeeper. How do we actually feel about that going into
1: the season? I don't hate it. He's a good goalie as long as he doesn't. If he has a Halak to back him up. I like Tuca because Tuca is not a guy that you're going to get to play back-to-back nights because he's going to play a stinker out of one of those two. You know what I mean? It's just a no doubt. One of those two nights, he's going to give up three easy goals. The other night, he's going to stand on his head and get you a shutout. So that's why it's good to have Halak there to give him a spell. I think this team really is solid. I do think their defense took a huge step back from last year, obviously bringing all these young guys up without Chara being in there and without crew being in there. It's definitely a big hole that they didn't really do anything to fill. Literally nothing. Except for bringing these young guys up. But that offense, you know, they're going to outscore teams some nights. It's going to be 6-4 to some nights. You're going to see a lot of high-scoring games out of this team. Because that first line when it's healthy is unbelievable. And then a second line of DeBrusque, Krejci, and DeBrusque, Krejci, and Casey. Or case, however you want to say it. I was Not told sure.
2: you could. I, I say uh, case too. Oh, yeah, show, <laughs> I always say
1: case. I, whenever I'm watching, I'm like case. But yeah, yeah, that that's a solid second line. Coil to me is probably the best third line center in all of the NHL. I love Charlie Coyle. He's my favorite Bruins acquisition since like Nathan Horton back in the day. I love Charlie Coyle. I I, I have some good faith in this team. However, that East is fucking loaded, so it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough.
2: Yeah. And I mean, if, if they're out of it, in my opinion, you start – actually, even if they're not out of it, I and i said this in, in my notes, if they're – maybe by the turn deadline, go and find Tuka's replacement. He's in the last year of his deal anyway, so go find a replacement for him if you don't think that he's the long-term answer. You know, he, he is 33 now, but I, I know how Locke's 35. So, you know, if, if he's someone that, you know, he's become a cancer and you think that he's no longer the guy that he was, once again, he's only here right now because they couldn't find someone in the offseason that was better than him. So I don't know if you want to look at Kerry Price. I don't know if you want to look at the guy that was a Tampa. I, I doubt that they traded with us because we just placed him in the playoffs. But, you know, there's somebody out there. <laughs> Um, I don't know, John, the quickest on the league that played with Los Angeles back in the day. But some somebody, like, do something. Because, like I said, if, if he's been that cancer, he's a guy that quit on the team, so to speak. You got to find his replacement, you know, sooner rather than later. Well, they were hoping it was going to be Malcolm
1: uh,
3: Subban, but
1: that clearly didn't work out. Oh, and he broke his larynx. Remember that?
3: Yeah, that too. So, you know, Bobby, you mentioned how tough the Eastern Division is going to be. The Bruins finished last season first, as we know, President's Cup uh, winners. But they are going to have to play all season long. The team that finished in third last year, which is the Washington Capitals, the fourth place, Philadelphia Flyers, the fifth place, Pittsburgh Penguins, the seventh place, New York Islanders, the 11th place, New York Rangers, and then the 14th place, New Jersey Devils. So, you know, I mean, there's a couple teams at the bottom there, but we're talking about five top. Eight teams that they're gonna from last year that they're gonna have to play, and a lot of these teams knew what they had going, and it doesn't seem like the Bruins, as Bobby just mentioned, have not added enough to compete with this division.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. So they they're gonna be scrapping. So that's one of my things I have written down here is is one of my big things for the Bruins this season is it's gonna be a fight for them to get into the playoffs. They're gonna be so it's four teams this year to get into the playoffs from each division. And it's no, there's no wild cards. There's nothing like that. Like you gotta be top four and Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Washington Islanders, Bruins is a dogfight. Those five teams are pretty even, you know what I mean? Like, One of them is definitely going to be one of the better teams out of the five. Like, it's going to be that team that steps up above the rest of them. But there's going to be a group in there that's just going to be fighting for that spot. So I do think that it's going to be a tough road for them to get into the playoffs this year. Strictly because... They took that step back on defense. I, I mean, I have faith in these young guys. I have faith in guys like in guys like Grizzlick and guys like I like Carlo, Clifton, but like I don't know if they're ready to take that next step and be that contending defense. So And I know who was ready though. Right around, I, I know. But he was I I right around like I just would've liked to see them bring someone in on that defensive side. Because listen, John Moore is not doing it for you. All right. I'm telling you, John Moore is what, thirty, he's like he's the same thing. He's like 32, 33 years old. Like he's an old he's an older vet. Like he's not gonna be the guy that's gonna step up and play those minutes. So I, I just hope if one of these guys can step up, then they're in business. If they struggle on the back end all year long, Tuka's not great at those breakaway shots, man. He loves to give up easy breakaway goals. So I don't know.
3: And it it is interesting, right? Like if you look at this team, sure the leadership is down with Chara gone, and you're you might have less defensive production points wise with Krug gone. So you lose your two of your top defensemen and you only add a third line right wing. So yeah, Bobby, I'll, I'll totally agree with you. But otherwise, this team is the same, right? So I found a, a much better depth chart on, on CBS NHL. So thank you, CBS, for formatting all of your pages, like your fantasy football pages, which makes my life much easier. But they have, it's Bergie, Marshan, Stanika on the first line, Krejci, DeBrusque, uh, Kasha on the second line, which is what I had said from NBC. And it's Grizzlik and McAvoy on that first pairing. And then Lazan and Carlo on the second. second yeah and then it's Miller and Zaborl on the third so th- there's not much change and I keep trying to talk myself into this and say but no one no, if it, uh, and and Mike said it on our NFL show that came out on Tuesday it'll be down in the show notes thanks Craig but Mike said you Mike, Mike and Dave kind of went back and forth and were like if you can tell me how this game is gonna go you're lying and I'm gonna say that about this entire NHL season because everything mm-hmm. has changed Everything has moved around. So this could be the best team in the NHL. We don't know. We yeah. don't know. I mean, sure, you got rid of, of some leadership, but you also got rid of some old legs. And let's see what happens. I mean, it's going to be an exciting, fun season to watch. They open up with the New Jersey Devils, who stunk last year. So hopefully they, they lay a stinker again, and, and the Bruins can catch two fast ones on them because they, they play them in New Jersey on uh, Thursday and then Saturday uh, for a matinee on Saturday. So this is going to be an exciting season.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. The, the thing that, that scares me is, like I said, to throw it to, to you and DK's love, they're in the group of death here. You know what I mean? That's what they are. Like, you look, at, you look at this setup, it's like the Canadian teams are all together. The West is solid. Central is weak. And then you have the East that's just loaded with literally, if you ask me, Philly, Pitt, Washington, and Boston are all top four contenders for the Cup every single year. And it's been that way for three years. Especially Philly taking that step up in the playoffs last year. It's just going to be tough for them, and it's going to make for an exciting season. I can give you that. I can't wait to see the season. I'm pumped.
2: Right, and imagine how much free, how much freer Ovechkin is going to be on that ice at times when maybe he skates behind a char and charges, lays someone out. Like it's going to be great. And if we, if you thought you couldn't stop Ovechkin before. <laughs> Baby, look out because it's about to get real. He was always to me, he was always the Carmelo Anthony to Cindy Crosby's being a LeBron because they came in the same year. They went one and two back in 05. Great think, comparison. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, he's one of the best scorers that league has ever seen. And now, with, you know, Char being someone that's going to be on the ice for 20 minutes tonight, clearing folks out the way like a Mack truck, look out. He might mess around to get 60 goals.
3: And it's going to be awesome because they play each one of these teams eight times. So you mentioned Sidney Crosby. I'm excited to watch the Penguins because, uh, you know, my long lost cousin. Yeah. Oh.
1: So, so that kind of leads into something else too, is I'm excited slash nervous to see what kind of step we see Charlie McAvoy take this next year, because we're either going to see him struggle without the backbone of Char. because you're right. Where it gave McAvoy this freedom to kind of roam and be, and be the Charlie McAvoy that we love and see in the playoffs, you know, make these great players, but he's not going to have that. He's going to have to be that guy. Um, So for him to have to change his game a little bit and see if he can step up, if he does, he could be in conversation for the Norris trophy by the end of the year, or at least be in like that top five conversation. But if not, he could get exposed as one of the more overrated defensemen in the league. So we'll see about him. I do love McAvoy, but I think this is going to be a big year for him, for sure.
3: So here's a fun fact that I want to point out when we talk about Zidane and and losing him. But do do you know that prior to Zidane Chara coming to the Boston Bruins 14 years ago, one guy on this current Bruins roster was on the team? Yeah, Patrice Bergeron. That's it. That's it. So all these guys know that have been here for multiple years and for a long time is what the Boston Bruins look like was a Chara as the captain. So what you guys just said is absolutely right. It's time to nut up or shut up for a lot of these guys because they don't have that support behind them in six foot eight, two hundred eighty pounds of Chara. So let's see what they have.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think this year. I thought about this earlier today, actually. That I think this is to make or break year for this team. I know we said it last year that we thought it was, but honestly, this is it. Because if they don't make the run this year, they don't give Sweeney and this team something to look, to really think that, okay, we actually do have a run at a cup or even win a cup this year. I think we're going to see something big happen because you have Krejci on a contract. I don't know if it's this year or next year, but you have Krejci, Marshawn, Rask, I don't want to. I don't know Bergeron. I'm pretty sure Bergeron's locked up. But we have some, at least those three guys coming up on contract years in the next year. So if you don't see something this year and we happen to miss out on the playoffs, I don't see that happening. I don't think it's a guarantee we make it. I think we get in, though. But this could be a monumental year in Bruins history. If they don't if they don't do what they're supposed to do, this team's gonna look a lot different moving forward.
2: But well, I mean they better they better get their mind right then. Yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean I mean it has to, right? So we, we can actually look at it right here and I'll tell you after this season, Craigie is unrestricted. Kasha is restricted, Richie's restricted, Corrali, Lindholm, which is Lindholm still on the roster? I thought he was gone. And then let's see. Carlo is restricted. Tuca and Halak are unrestricted after this Mm -hmm. season. And Kevin Miller, but I think he's been signed... So this might be out of date so don't quote me on all of those but you were pretty spot on with all those guys So yeah so guys, I think we, we've given you a lot on the Bruins and what we think I mean this season's gonna be kind of a an interesting one to watch. I think it's gonna be fun in this Eastern division to see what happens with the Bruins and and the other six teams and you know we're gonna Bobby's absolutely right Bobby said it so we're gonna go with what Bobby said and it's this is the the year to prove it for the Boston Bruins so, We've given you a look inside the NHL, what it's going to look like this year from the MTP perspective and what the Bruins are going to look like from the MTP perspective. And we may not have given you much, but we hope that you can form your opinion on the Bruins season coming out of it. And, you know, let's watch this 56-game season. They play each team eight times. This is just going to be so much fun.
1: It is going to be a lot of fun. It, it,
3: it's kind of it, – it's almost like the original six all over again in a lot of ways where it's just teams beating up on each other all season. You're going to see rivalries form within the season and within the game. So it's going to be a
2: blast. So, guys, any final words tonight before we sign off? Yeah, just shout-out shout out to my grandfather. That was an inside joke, but I wrote it on the page. Uh, Willie over here and getting his number retired. You know the original twenty-two before my guy Sean Thorne, aka the Enforcer, uh, was on the Bruins. But yeah, me, me too. They need actually they need a guy like that back here. But you know, I'm not going to keep going on the rant about that. But Kevin
1: Miller supposed to be
2: right. Okay, we'll see. You know, but yeah. So yeah, shout out to him for getting his his number retired. tires long overdue, as well deserved. And you know, yeah, thank you for being a pioneer, Willie.
3: Yeah. So we'll just to expand on that, Willie O'Ree was announced on. Tuesday that he would be inducted into the Bruins Hall of Fame and have his number retired. Uh, I'm actually just number retired. I, I think he might already be in I, either way. He's having his number retired February 18th before the team's game against the New Jersey Devils. He was the first black player in the NHL, played his first season in the NHL with the Boston Bruins and ended up playing a, a 29 year career of professional hockey, which is just Incredible from 1950 to 1979. So, Bobby, what are your final words tonight?
1: So, I think that this next season is going to be a big, the biggest season we've seen in the Boston Bruins in the last three years when it comes to turnover of this team, or at least the impact for toner over, turnover on this team. If we see them make a big run into the playoffs, I think that they make a push to actually bring some guys in here next year and, and make a final run at this cup. If the Bruins take a step back this year and we can't get carried to that next level and possibly at least into the Stanley Cup finals, I think you see a lot of turnover moving forward. And I also think that my biggest thing is that the Colorado Avalanche, I have some three takes written down for like the entire NHL for the show. The one I'll go with is that the Colorado Avalanche are going to win the Stanley Cup this year. I think that they are the best team in the NHL. Eric Johnson is such a good uh, addition to this team. He, a lot of people think this dude is washed up. I think he's going to show back up and, and show that he is that vet and that he can bring this team to that cup. So I think Avalanche are going to win the cup. That's my big takeaway for the 2021 NHL season
3: weird to say just 2021 nhl season since they didn't start before january so thank you for joining us for this episode of mtp MTP, where we've broken down the the last nhl season and we've kind of given you a glimpse into what this season's gonna look like it's all a mess right now in sports it's chaotic I love every second of it. So thank you for joining us again. I'm Joe Malkin, your host, joined tonight by Rashawn Buchanan and Robert Kelly. And our EP is Craig D'Alessandro. It's been fun, guys. Have a great night. We'll see you next time. Electric Ast- Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy
0: expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks.
1: Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today.
2: Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day?